Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. We appreciate everybody that's tuning in. It's going to be a great summer. Uh, we're up on YouTube now, so go check that out. And don't forget about Squad Fest, June 11th and 12th, coming up in a hurry. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Eyesight Drone Service. Eyesight Drone Service is headquartered in Grand Forks, North Dakota. It's a veteran-owned small business. It's fully licensed and insured drone and manned aircraft services company. All operators are commercial pilots and 107 certified. They have extensive experience in agriculture, stand count, tassel count, crop health damage, and visual inspection. Natural resources, they can do your waterfowl counts, your big game counts, cattle counts, natural disaster surveys, archaeological assessments, infrastructure, gravel road management, building inspections, house roof inspections, oil and gas pipeline and facilities, renewable energy inspections, power line inspections, communications tower ins- communication tower inspections. Ladies and gentlemen, if you need a drone for anything, they can take care of any of your needs. They're open to new industries and jobs as well. Well, rapidly and effectively deploy to virtually any side of project within the continental United States in short order and that's eyesight drone services and you can check them out at www.eyesightdrones.com and that's i with the letter i s-i-g-h-t-d-r-o-n-e-s.com or check them out on their web or check out their website please at eyesightdrones.com it's amazing what all they can do now with modern technology it's crazy they can do a waterfowl count with drones just think about how much you don't even need people nope there's movies about that but they can do so much more stuff today and so much quicker yeah crazy i mean it it, it is i mean it's huh. just the way the world's going what's next you never know you never know what you're going to see next here so anyways so, y'all check out our new sponsor yeah no kidding uh we're also brought to you by bangtail whiskey it is built on an a built on a dream age 25 years handcrafted bangtail whiskey to create the perfect sip, no matter how you drink your whiskey. I like, uh, you know, I like the whiskey sour. Catch a little bit of hell for that, but it's great. Um, you can order Bangtail whiskey right online, and they'll send it straight to your door. And uh, you don't even have to get out of your pajamas to get whiskey headed your way. It is, uh, you'll find a pleasant aroma of vanilla and spice before galloping into notes of nougat, sweet corn, and a lingering caramel finish. It is actually very, very good whiskey. I put it right up there at the top of the list. So go check out Bangtail Whiskey at bangtail.com and get that bottle headed your way. We're also brought to you by Blindgrass. Uh, listen, if you're tired of constantly having to rebrush your A-frame, your layout blind, your boat, you need to check out Blindgrass at blindgrass.com. It's a synthetic grass. It goes right onto your blind. It does not rot. It does not mildew. Uh, It is a one-stop shop. You put it on there one time, and you do not have to worry about brushing your blind again. So check them out at blindgrass.com, and they have dry bags. If you're going to be out on a boat all summer, you can put your goods in the dry bag, and you don't have to worry about dropping your cell phone into the ocean. Uh, they got gun cases, so they kind of got whatever you're, whatever you're looking for. In addition to a very, very good looking camouflage system, they've been working years to perfect how their camouflage looks. You can use it in multiple environments. They got different, uh, different colors and different blends for every scenario. So check them out at Blindgrass Camouflage System at blindgrass.com. We're also brought to you by Goose Creek Retrievers. If you've got that new puppy. 
if you want to, uh, if you're wanting to send them off somewhere, have a professional handle them. Look no further than Goose Creek Retrievers. Matt Peel does a hell of a job up there, and uh, we're excited to have him on board. He's a wealth of knowledge. He's a fun guy to talk to. Even if even if you're training the dog yourself and you just need somebody to, you know, bounce ideas off of, Matt will be happy to answer any questions. Check him out, Goose Creek Retrievers. And uh, if you're in, like I said, if you're in the market for a new puppy or a new hunting dog, look them up, GooseCreekRetrievers.com. They're all over uh, social media. Got a hell of a program. And if you do have a new dog, then you need to check out Gun Dog Outdoors. They've got bumpers that they're really excited about. Uh, they've got a field trauma kit that I think everybody should put in their vehicle and in their hunting bag. And uh, the quick release system. Patented now. It's what I use every single day. Clip it onto my dog, Lou, and he is where I think he's going to be all the time until I pull, that, uh, pull the little lever and let him go. No matter what level your dog is trained, I think uh, I think the quick release system is something that you should look into. It just takes all the guesswork out. So you clip him on there, and he's going to stay right where right where he's supposed to be. So the quick release system is something that I cannot recommend highly enough, and you can get that at GunDogOutdoors.com. Uh, I mentioned the Squad Fest earlier. Coming up, June 11th and 12th. St. Louis, Missouri. It's the first major calling contest since COVID, and uh, it's going to be a great time. We're looking forward. We're going to be there. We hope to see all you guys there. Food trucks, cornhole, cold beer. It's going to be a great time, and we look forward to putting some faces to names. So we'll see you there June 11th and 12th. Oh, you can be signing autographs. No. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll fist bump you. Okay. Fist bump you. I'm not shaking your hand. You probably got COVID. Would you sign some boobs? No. Nope. No boobs, none of that. Um, a baby's forehead. I'd sign a baby's forehead. Okay. But not a boob. Not a boob. But it is going to be a good time. You're putting on a hell of a deal. If you're a waterfowl hunter and you like calls, you just want to be around like-minded people, what a better place to be. I mean, it's, it's a waterfowl show. I mean, that's exactly what it is. Great products, great people. Get to see some neat people. Get to meet some people. Everybody in the industry just about is going to be there. Good time for everybody. Come out and see us. And the guys from the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast are going to be there. Yes. Mr. Logan Pyatt and Rebel Heron. Yep. That is our next sponsor. They are back, ladies and gentlemen. The The hiatus is over. You put enough pressure on them, Logan and Rebel folded like a bunch of cheap suits. Um, they're doing their bourbon review. It goes up. It's out there for everybody to listen to. And then the full episode, you have to be a, a Patreon member to get the full episode but they are back they're back up to their debauchery and uh better than ever so go check them out you can get on their patreon account like uh, looking glass duck club donate to that and uh you can get the episodes but it's uh it's it's glad that they're back the waterfowl community is a lot better with them on the on the airwaves so we're happy that they're there and you should go check them out we're also brought to you by Pacific Custom Calls. We've got a promo code with them. BHP25 will save you 25%. Believe it or not, it is time to start stocking up and buying stuff for hunting season. It's going to be here before you know it. You need a new goose or duck call. They've got a new duck or goose call. You can use the promo code BHP25. Save yourself some money. They've got the best duck call that I've ever blown in the PCD. And they are retooling the 509, which is my go-to Canada call. So... A lot of cool things going on up there uh, in Spoke Compton. Pacific Custom Calls. Uh, Pacific Custom Calls is the 
website name, and you can use the promo code BHP25. Get you a hell of a goose call for this upcoming waterfowl season. We're also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. It only takes one. Bismuth is back in style. Uh, I cannot, can't tell you how much I love my boss. It is, it's a, it, it really is. It's a way of life. It's an old culture kind of deal. Uh, the boss, Tom, was a big hit this year. Takes those gobblers right off their feet. Um, be expecting, like, listen, if you're going to be ordering this stuff, you need to get on the ball and at least get them what you're wanting because word on the street is there might be uh, an ammo shortage towards the end of the year. And uh, I'd hate for you to be going, <clears throat> going somewhere in January and not have any shells to shoot. Go to BossShotShells.com right now. Get your order in. Not gonna have, not gonna hurt to have some in storage for when waterfowl season finally gets here. BossShotShells.com. We're also brought to you by Dirty Duck Coffee. If your coffee sucks, it's not the duck. High velocity is my favorite. They've got a Missouri Boat Ride coming out. I'm excited to try that. I think that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. Um, good looking merchandise too. Good looking swag. They got a shirt that I, I really enjoy. Fits on me well. Shows off my guns that I'm working hard for. Still, still not on the testosterone, but, you know, we're making it. Uh, Dirty Duck Coffee, it's the way I start my morning every single morning out here at the Big Honker Lodge. Cup of that and I'm ready to tackle the world, Jeff. But they've got a coffee for everybody, whether it's the, uh, the Missouri boat ride that's coming out or they got a dark, they got a dark one, they got a uh, French roast, they got a Colombian blend. Like I said, my, my favorite is the high-velocity caffeine straight into the straight into the thermos and then right down my gullet gives me the energy i need for a long day out in the field so go check them out dirtyduckcoffee.com i need a cup of coffee right now last but not least we're brought to you by lucky duck they're making uh dog kennels for the big boys now i saw that extra large one lou lou lou's gonna be riding in style gonna have plenty of room five star crash test rated all that good stuff so you can feel confident in putting your pooch away in the new lucky duck dog kennel uh, they also make the best blind that I've ever sat in, the A-frame, two-by-four, four-grown men. If you're looking for an investment, I would look at the two-by-four blind. A-frames are the way to go. Get out of the spread. Uh, keeps, uh, keeps the bird's eyes off of you. They've also got the best spinners on the market. They're waterproof, so you don't have to worry about having a little oopsie and uh, knocking one over and it not working anymore. So go check them out, Lucky Duck, luckyduck.com. All right, boys and girls, this episode of the podcast, we're joined by Oklahoma deer biologist, Dallas Barber. Talk about uh, the last last hunting season, talk about Oklahoma deer hunting, waterfowl hunting. Bigfoot hunting. Bigfoot hunting, Oklahoma, got to love them. Uh, interesting podcast, we hope you enjoy it. Here he is, Dallas Barber. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast, brought to you by our newest sponsor, Eyesight Drone Services. I am 
Knox City famous Jeff Stanfield with the world famous Andy Shaver. How are you doing, Andy? That's right. That's right, Jeff. You're having a shit day today, aren't you? Most of them are pretty rough. Mm. Remember when I told you to go ahead and become a doctor one day when you was about 16? Yep. Yep. You could have been a gynecologist. Life would be rosy every day. <clears throat> with us today... From the greenhead capital of the world, Fort Cobb, Oklahoma. Fort Cobb, baby. Mr. Dallas Barber. Dallas, how you doing? I'm good, guys. How are y'all? How, what's the weather like there in Fort Cobb? Y'all, it's raining there a lot? We've been getting some water. Um, you know, last handful of days has been a lot like you guys. Severe weather, mornings, all that fun stuff. So having to keep our, keep our head on a swivel. But uh, a little over an inch in the last uh, 24 hours or so. So. A blessing for sure. We're up at th- over three inches here. That was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 3.1 yesterday. We're, we're living a whole and, lot better than y'all up there. And rain's coming. Yeah. Western Oklahoma's real dry right now from what I understand. The panhandle got over an inch and a half, I mean, over the last 24 hours, which is kind of a rare occurrence um, for them to have more rain than, than anywhere else in the state. So up there on Guymon and all that kind of stuff got a, a good swath of rain, which is good for everybody up there. I guess we need to tell people, too, that you're the uh, state biologist for the big game biologist, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I handle all of our uh, deer, elk, and antelope across the state. How's the elk population holding up? It's good, man. Ever growing. Um, a lot like our, our deer herds. Um, you know, the just all wildlife in general are going to be dependent on, on timely rainfall. And luckily here over the last handful of years, we've had just that. Um, so... Habitat conditions have been really good. Um, fawning and calving rates have been really good. So the herd is ever-growing. It's it's crazy because a lot of people don't realize Oklahoma is a really cool state. Y'all, have got, y'all are very diverse from eastern, southeast Oklahoma. You got Bigfoot, and y'all got a Bigfoot season now, correct? <laughs> yeah, so we had a uh, one of our, our legislators from that district wanted to Basically, it was done to, to promote tourism to the area, and there's kind of a big cult following for, for Bigfoot, like we talked about last time. So he wanted to have a official Bigfoot season, and uh, that went over like a turd in a wheel. <laughs> the first time somebody comes bringing one in to get it tagged, it's going to be a different story then. Yeah, I mean, heck, if I was over 6'4 and had a beard, you couldn't catch me south of, of I-40 or east of 69. <laughs> so you got a bigfoot season now in oklahoma that separates oklahoma and arkansas it's just not electricity now it's having an actual bigfoot season absolutely what uh you got antelope in the panhandle area yeah i mean we're we're one of the most ecologically diverse states in in the country uh just right behind california so in one day you can go see a, a pronghorn antelope a mule deer an elk and an alligator so we've got a little bit of everything now where do y'all have alligators at around texoma so, uh, I mean, the Red River Valley, basically everything east of Texoma, um, you wouldn't be surprised to see them, but really they're kind of concentrated uh, that far southeast corner. So the Grassy Slough Wildlife Management Area down down that way. That surprises me as cold as it gets over there still, but yeah, it's kind of right on there, right on their their kind of border of where they can can make it. Um, they were actually during that big cold blast. There were pictures getting shared around uh, by some news stations of uh you know a frozen over pond or slough with just alligator noses sticking up out of them so they were trying to stay alive you know uh brian sullivan lives in illinois and he's got a pair of whistling ducks that are on his pond right now Mm -hmm. and 
Yeah. Have you guys seen many down there? We we have had a few of them around here, but not very many. Now, yeah, it, I know Eastern Texas a has a bunch. Here and there. We've got a couple groups here and there. Um, there's a, a pretty local flock up around uh, Cherokee, which is the Great Salt Plains Refuge area. Um, and that's God, probably 20 birds there. And then just nickel and dime little flocks here and there that, that I'll hear about. So are the ones at Cherokee, are they there every year, or is this the first year they've been there? They're getting to be pretty regular. That's nuts, because we've never, ever killed one during hunting season. Well, we've never killed one here ever, but I've, we've never seen one during hunting season We only here. really see them spring and fall. Yeah, that's here, too. I mean, spring, yeah, spring, and, spring and summer, I mean, yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll push out before any sort of season opens up. So does Bigfoot, does that fall under your category of things? I don't know where it would fall if it were to have actually gone through. Um, I think they'd actually changed it from hunting to trapping. So there was a bounty. All kind. I mean, this is like a legit thing that our government sat down and listened to at the, at the you know the the session that they just got done with. So it was a comical and concerning and embarrassing all at the same time. Well, they are politicians and they're not known to be real smart, anyways. How close was this getting? <laughs> getting passed i don't think it was close at all who put it up it, it was uh one of the representatives for that that region down there was it as like a joke or was it was the guy being serious Terrific. no i think he was serious i think he was serious about it and i mean like i had said with with jeff there um you know he had done it more as kind of a tourism push just to get people down there yeah. um i mean that that place is is exploding in that part of the state with with tourism so he kind of wanted to to throw a little gas on the fire and i think he i mean i think he accomplished his goal of getting some attention what, down that way what what i don't understand with the bigfoot dog we've had two bigfoot people on here one of them was was a cousin breeder the other one was a really a nice guy he just a little touched maybe but yeah those people live in a different universe than most of us do and they either doing a breeding call. Now, do you really want some big Bigfoot with a heart on coming after you if you do get one called in? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> I think of a lot of other things I'd rather have yes. taking me around the woods. So, so how are you going to satisfy that fella if you get him called in? And then the second is you just said they want to trap one. How the fuck are you going to get one off a trap? I a jab pole and some heavy sedatives. You'd think that, by God, if, if you can get him off the pole, he can get himself off of the damn thing. I mean, they <laughs> got hands so? and shit, so... But anyways, I just that whole Bigfoot thing is hilarious. But Oklahoma is definitely taking it to a different level with the Bigfoot. Yep, we're pretty unfortunately famous for it. Have you been to that area looking for a Bigfoot? Like, have you ever seen anything in no. that area? Nothing. That uh, Jeff said that those people live in their own little world, and <laughs> I am the farthest thing from that world. Um, I mean, obviously, I've, I've had to go down there and, and work, but never, uh, never have gone looking for a Bigfoot. Those areas have a high density of bears too, don't they? Yeah, I mean that's our highest bear density for sure. Down, you know, the those bottom three kind of southeast counties, so Lafleur, McCurtain County, down that way, lots of bears. Now, are you in charge of the bears also? No, so we've got uh, some regional staff that are actually in charge of all that that research that we're we're doing down there. So, God, we've been collaring bears with GPS units for twenty something years now. We've got a pile of data. How far um, will they travel? You know, that's really a great question that, that I don't know the full answer to. But, um, you know, as they disperse from that, that area, 
Um, I mean, we've got bears that have genetically originated from that kind of localized population that are, you know, all the way up just south of Tulsa. So they're, they're moving out. And that's a big bear too, a big black bear, correct? They're four or five hundred pounds, some of them. Yeah, yeah, they grow pretty big. See, that's what people are getting confused with Bigfoots. So, <laughs> twenty years, where did the bears originally come from? Was there just a small number of bears that were in this area of Oklahoma, or did they come up from Arkansas? So they were. They came over from Arkansas. There were, if I remember right, the Arkansas originally did a reintroduction project quite a while ago. And uh, that population has just over time exploded. Um, they're a, a very good species when it comes to um, utilizing available habitat. So as more and more habitat became available to them, they just keep on expanding. Jeez. And now they're, you said they're all the way up almost to what? I mean, Tulsa. Tulsa. Yeah, almost to Tulsa. So we've, We've expanded our bear zone here for hunting uh, over the last, let's see, that was two years ago, I want to say that happened. So it was just a small little area, and now it's about a third of the state. Has it crossed I-35? Have, have any bears sighted the so west of 35? it has not crossed I-35 yet. Has, have there been yeah, any sightings? Yeah, it has sightings? not crossed I-35 yet. Say that again, Jeff? Any sightings west of 35 yet? Not that I'm aware of, um, but I mean, a lot of that stuff usually will stay, you know, game warden level uh, and probably get get a call for those southeast bear biologists. We'll, we'll hear about it, but nothing that I would know about. It's kind of like the tornado chasing area. You never want to cross 35 because it's too, too, too many damn trees. You can't see shit back in there. It gets woolly in a hurry. It, very fast. That's why Bigfoot lives there. That's right. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch base. <laughs> I watched the Louisiana uh, – game warden show the other day they've got lone star law and they've got the louisiana law and one of the things that they had on there a guy shot a, a deer in arkansas and brung it across and he got pulled over in louisiana on, on a bordering county and they made him take it back to arkansas what what are the yeah what what are the rules on that with your state in oklahoma so th that's something that that we refer to as a carcass import regulation um that's really done uh, as a preventative measure for chronic wasting disease. So more states than not these days have got some sort of carcass import regulations. Um, in Oklahoma, uh, you're not allowed to bring a full carcass from out of state um, unless it meets a, a certain kind of criteria. So uh, quartered meat, you can bring that in. If you want to bring a head in from a deer, that's got to be cleaned of all tissue, uh, finished taxidermy products. There's kind of some uh, a list of things that that you have to do to legally bring that that carcass into the state and that doesn't just apply to deer it applies to to any cervid so members of the deer family so that would be things like whitetail mule deer uh, elk caribou moose anything that anything in the that that deer family well my, my question is is like if he quartered it they said it was okay in louisiana but if it came back whole like that it mm -hmm. wasn't allowed how how does a dead animal I don't much know much about chronic waste disease, but a dead yeah. animal being cleaned, how would that? How would a wild animal get it from that dead deer that's in that guy's back of his truck? So when it comes to chronic waste and disease, we're going to, I guess, dive off into some real nerdy stuff that <laughs> I don't know how many people are going to love it. Um, but chronic waste and disease is a, a prion disease. So essentially what that is a, a misfolded protein. Um, it's not caused by a virus. It's not caused by bacteria, anything like that stuff that a lot of people are familiar with. Um, so that prion concentrates itself in the central nervous system. 
So all of those ways that you can bring that back in um, are, you know, to the point where that that has been removed, that central nervous system has been removed. So the spine, the head, the neck, all that stuff has been left in the area that it was, you know, originating from. So you're just trying to limit the spread of those prions because those prions, you can't, they, they don't, bleach doesn't kill them, hot water doesn't kill them, anything like that. So, you know, you bring your deer home and, uh, you know, you clean it up at the, sh at the shed and throw it on the back 40. Well, now you've got an infected carcass laying out on your landscape where it can be spread to other, other deer. So how would it be spread to other deer? Like a coyote net theoretically would eat on it. And then like, how can, how's it going to spread yeah, so, I mean, if it's just laying there? So there's a couple different ways. I mean, deer are obviously curious animals. So any time that they come up and, and would to, were to, to lick on that, put their nose on that, um, that would be one, one method of, of transfer. Um, some lab studies have actually showed plant uptake of those prions. So, so they can bind a soil really, really well and, and live in that soil for decades. So if it, uh, if it gets in the soil, plants can actually uptake that prion in the root and, and push it out into leaves. Another deer comes by, eats those plants, and it just, just keeps, keeps rolling and rolling. That's crazy. So it's almost impossible to get rid of it once you get it then. Yeah, I mean, that, that is definitely true, Jeff. Um, you know, whenever people hear about it, it, it doesn't really strike much of a bell. But whenever you start to really read into to how this thing works, it becomes scary in a hurry. Um, there's only really been one state that has gotten rid of it. Uh, New York, uh, let's see, 2009 or 10, it was a while ago. They had one or two positive animals show up uh, and they have been meticulously testing and, and have not had it come back um but once it's on the landscape it's there so your job as a as a biologist and a, a wildlife manager is to to mitigate the spread of that as best you can has there ever been a case of an animal getting it and then being able to get get rid of it or is it a, is it a death sentence for no. one of them it is 100 percent of the time fatal that's a bad deal we've had uh we had a deer not far from here about 15 miles that the guy if, uh, guy called me and i called the game warden it was just a deer just standing there looking at him a buck in the yard and it wouldn't go away and wouldn't do nothing and the game warden went and looked at it and i think they shipped it off to see if it did have it and i don't think it did i don't does texas have any active cases of chronic wasting disease yeah so there, i mean there's there's three kind of hot spots there in texas um and you're gonna have to forgive me on town names i don't recall too terribly well most of them but uh there's one down kind of south around uh san antonio where all the the high fence ranches are mm -hmm. um and then way out in in the tip of that kind of el paso area uh-huh and then another one up around dalhart when you say a hot zone is that multiple uh more times than not yes it's referring to to multiple positive tests how did that how did that all start just a genetic mutation like you said it's a folded protein so how did the first case so of chronic really waste don't, begin yeah um unfortunately we really don't know a whole lot about the disease it's fairly new um so it originated over kind of the colorado wyoming border area back in the 60s and uh has now spread to over 26 states across the across the country um so it can be spontaneous, uh, you know, mutation, like you're saying. 
Um, but we've kind of got it narrowed down to where a lot of it is carcass transport, both dead and live animals. Is the, um, is it affecting the cattle business or are they, well, can they get chronic wasting disease also? No. So you've heard of mad cow disease, yes, right? Right. So that is the bovine form of chronic wasting disease. Okay. So transmissible spongiform encephalopathy, that's a big mouthful, but we just call it a TSD. It's in the same family as, as, uh, as mad cow. So mad cow in, in cattle, chronic wasting disease in, in the deer family, same thing. Now, could this potentially go on? I mean, what else could this spread to? Could it get into dogs? So the big, dog? I mean, the biggest concern is, is, uh, you know, breaking the species barrier into humans, mm-hmm. um, which is a terrifying thought. I mean, it would, would ruin hunting forever. I mean, everything you've ever known about, about hunting deer would be down the drain. Um, it's never been proven to, to be possible. Um, as far as living proof in a human being, obviously when they do crazy stuff in laboratories, they can get it to work. Um, there's been some studies that were done that, that are still yet to be peer reviewed in the scientific community that they had gotten some monkeys that were humanized to, to contract it. But, you know, it would have been the equivalent to eating like a hundred pounds of infected venison every day for three years. So it's pretty far fetched. It's like getting high off of, uh, a module of hemp compared to marijuana. It's the same basic, I mean, concept. Say that, say that again, Jeff, you're breaking up. The, you could take a whole module of hemp and you're not going to get anything out of it because it doesn't have enough TCL or TCH or whatever it is. It's in the marijuana, but it's the same basic. You couldn't, you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't put you'd enough have, of it into your body to affect you. Probably you'd have to eat too much venison for it to uh, ever affect crossover. you. Yes. Yep. Okay. I'll talk to you a couple other things now, since you're the smartest guy on the podcast today. Well, so odd ads, y'all have odd ads in certain areas in Oklahoma. Will there ever be a season on something like that? You know, I really don't know. Um, with them not being an official game species of Oklahoma, um, it's going to be, um, a lot like the, the hog hunting deal where, you know, we might require a, a hunting license just because you are, you know, in the act of hunting, but as far as limits or, or seeds, seasons or anything like that. currently we don't have have anything for them so if you got them you're more than welcome to, to hunt them so you don't have to buy a hunting license to shoot odd ad in oklahoma he said you don't have to buy you don't have to buy a hunt license to, to shoot an odd ad in oklahoma well it kind of depends on time of year so if it's deer season deer rifle season you would need to have a, a hunting license or if you're on a WMA hunting, you'd have to have a hunting license, but um, to my knowledge, I, I don't think that that you do. I might get in trouble for saying that, but well, I, no, I, it's I not asked, my, and not my wheelhouse. I asked you because I think that you're correct on that, which doesn't make sense to me because if you guide in Oklahoma, you have to have a license, even though you're not shooting a gun. So, mm-hmm. I, so if a guy's hunting an odd ad, he's still hunting. I would think he had to have a license, but I think you are correct on that. The, the, the reason I'm asked, your, your elk population, those elk are introduced, and now they've got a lot of hunting season on them, right? The, the elk aren't native to Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, those were – well, they were native to Oklahoma. Well, back in the day, a long, long, long time ago. Right. So a lot of those re- – yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking back in the, in the 1800s. Yes. Um, but 
you know, with Audad, they're not native to North America. Um, those are those are a sheep, you know, Barbary sheep, um, going to be from somewhere off in La La Land, but not not North America or the U.S. So is that just like the the feral pig? Somebody brought them over here and then they got out and just have done well in the wild. Audad. Yeah, I mean, same 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 kind of same kind of concept. I think they're a Persian goat. I think they're like from. Albakistan or one of them places like that. I don't know exactly, but one of one of the stands. We'll, we'll just cover. Yeah. Like they're from. They're a stand. <laughs> if you live over there, it's El Fuckistan probably because it's probably not a good place to be. <laughs> I make you nervous, don't I, Dallas? Do you hear him? Do you, can you hear me? North Africa. I can barely hear you. Jeff. Oh, I said I think I make you nervous when I say stuff. Sometimes you got a you're a state man, good guy, good job. The mayor of Fort Cobb, and you, you worried about what I'm going to say. <laughs> you're so, not going to let me live it down, are you, Jeff? The reason why I was asking about the odd ad is is that the odd ad is not a native. It's native to North Africa. Is that right? North Indian? Africa. Yes, and, Jeff. And y'all have it in, like around in Hobart where we hunt, there's odd ads. And I'm sure there's some other places around the Wichita Mountains that have mm-hmm. them. And I was wondering if you see in the future where they'll start having, where the state will actually put a, a season on them because the elk were reintroduced to the Wichita Mountains. I'm, was that the first place in Oklahoma y'all introduced them? Yeah, so, I mean, the, the first place in Oklahoma – that we saw Audads was going to be, you know, right up along our Texas border. Um, so that, that kind of Greer County Mangum area, if you know where that that's at, it's going to be kind of right, right. down that way. Um, as far, as far as the season goes, I mean, I, I, it's hard to tell. I mean, it, it all, we work for the people. So if the people want an Audad season, I'm sure that, that our commission will, will make it happen. So to, to all of our 15 listeners, if you want an Audad season, <laughs> I think make sure you, you shoot someone an email. I think you'd have a better uh, shot at getting a Bigfoot season than an Audad season. Oh, it could be. I just was wondering because they seem to be growing and thriving in the area that we're at. And I just was – I think it's great to see the states bring back different species that was native or not native to a place, and they thrive, just like the elk. You know, the elk were there yeah. years ago, and – now, you, anywhere around the Wichita Mountains, you're liable to see an elk somewhere. I think you can put a fucking goat just about anywhere, and it's going to do okay. And that's the that's the hard part with them, Andy. I mean, they're they're such a generalist that they're going to compete with with any of the native species that we have. So, you know, as a as a deer biologist, I don't necessarily want to see a whole bunch of odd dad out mm-hmm. there just because they're going to be competing with with our native deer and elk. And that makes lots of sense. Well, that's true. I guarantee you, it was some fucking Texas high fence guy put some odd ad on there. They got out, and now they're bleeding over in Oklahoma. Well, there's you're a, probably right. Fucking there's Texas a t- there's a ton of odd ads like around the Paladura Canyon that got. Well, I mean, the rules in Texas are there are no rules when it comes to wildlife. So basically, you guys kind of do whatever you want. Did you see that tiger thing that was down in Houston? I guess the yes. tiger got out. <laughs> Yeah, what the that dude hell? That had a tiger at gunpoint in his neighborhood. Yes, <laughs> He's I'd like, have shot that. Don't son shoot of a bitch. my fucking tiger. I'd have shot it and get it mounted. Can I get that mounted, please, sir? All you got to say, man, it's co- it was coming right for me. You're good to go. Now, Green light. Y'all in Oklahoma, y'all can't make fun of nothing, nothing about tigers. You got you, you y'all got, got the tiger, tiger king. king. So yeah, it's the, the king, the best. We're yeah. the best at tiger stuff. <laughs> he was almost the governor, remember? 
Yeah, he ran for go- hell. He ran for president. <laughs> well, he was closer to being governor of Oklahoma than he was president. He would be a better president than one we have now. I'm telling you right now. Well, you know, and another thing. No comment. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing. I'm, no comment. I'm going to try to let you off the hook here. Uh, he was pissed off, evidently, that Trump didn't pardon him. He had a, like, fucking limo oh, yeah. and all sorts of shit outside of his jail, and Trump didn't pardon him on the he last got, minute. He got real sideways about it. And now he's claiming that he's going to die in prison because he has, like, cancer, leukemia or something. I don't know what kind of cancer it was, but he's claiming it. He's pulling the cancer card. Yep. <laughs> You're desperate then. If that's I'm, your last card. Mm-hmm. I am going to honestly tell you, that's one of my favorite series ever on Netflix. I could not turn it off. Not only did it, was it hella entertaining, but it happened at the perfect time when everybody yeah. was going on quarantine. So you had nothing yes. to do but burn 12 hours of your life that you'll never get back to learn a little bit about Oklahoma culture. I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that Tiger Kings does well if COVID doesn't take off like it did. And I, just lock everybody down. Agree. Yes. And like this is it, and it took on a life of its own. I'm not sure it does well if COVID's not around. Netflix. Hundred percent agree. Netflix was one of the beneficiaries of being locked down last March and April for us in Cause, Texas. Because now people realize they can't live without it. So it's like they got it during <laughs> during lockdown, and they're like, "Oh fuck, I can't live without this now." I tell you, the sh- the show that I'm watching is uh, Bloodline. Love Bloodline. I haven't watched it. I've heard a lot of good stuff about it. Oh, it's good. It's three seasons. Three seasons. Yeah, the misses, uh, the and I are catching up on Dexter. We uh, we saw they're dropping a new season of it, and we we burned through that when we were in college. So we're catching back up on it again, so we can watch the new season. I've I've That's never seen Dexter. Is that the is that about uh, it a killer? is on Prime? Oh, I've been an Amazon Prime guy. That's my new shows I've been watching lately. Oh, have you watched mm-hmm. Red Oaks on Prime? Have you seen it no, yet? Uh-uh. It's it's set in the '80s, so it had a lot to do with me because it reminded me of being in the '80s. Yeah, it was all right. It was it, it was entertaining. It, it filled some time. Some I missed some it hours. by a year. The uh, Outer Banks. They they did you watch that last year on Netflix? Oh yes, that's it's a coming, great one. Oh, it's yes. coming back uh, this summer. I saw they said that we're fucking pumped. Me and me and my wife. Did looking, you think that chick was hot on there? Yes. Yeah. Which one? The chick that was uh, the the rich girl. The rich girl. Uh, she was okay. I mean, I wouldn't oh, kick her out of bed for eating oats, but not as hot as some some other girls I've seen. She, she was a hottie. <coughs> Dallas is not allowed to talk about this kind of stuff. You can tell. Dallas is nodding on camera. <laughs> <laughs> He's nodding on camera. Yes, we'll go with that. So there you go. So not, not nonverbal confirmation. <clears throat> let, let's let's talk duck hunting now. Did you have a good year this year? Okay. Nope. <laughs> nobody nobody did. Man, uh it was I mean I have some some you know pretty decent hunting um over here west of me a little ways where I could go in there pretty much and, and guarantee you know that, that kind of three, four man mixed bag stuff and it just wasn't there this year. Um weather obviously I mean we're beating a dead horse. We've talked about this for two years running now it's just the weather hasn't been there late season was pretty decent i had a great january um but you know it was just staring at pintails all day long so i'd shoot a bird and then i'd watch the sun come up for the rest of the morning do you think the duck numbers are off i do um yes and no um you know a lot of that the the basically fish and wildlife service and canadian wildlife service has had to cancel um, 
spring surveys. So two, two years now. Breeding, the breeding, yeah, the breeding surveys. So I mean, bird numbers are who knows what they're at right now, um, and especially with the way that that Canada and, and the Dakotas are looking as far as hurting for water, um, it's going to be an interesting year. That's for sure. We didn't see the widgeons that we've normally seen. The last two years, we haven't seen the widgeons that we always. I have seen. not. We're right in the same belt for widgeons, man. I mean, it's a guarantee. If you you go set up a goose spread in the field, a wheat field, you're going to bang out a handful of widgeon, if not a big limit of widgeon. And we have not seen near the widgeon this year. Yeah, we we, we didn't either. And then we talked to uh, what's the gentleman's name, the birdiologist guy from California, Brian. Uh, talked to him about the pintails. Because well, all we see is drakes. Well, we found out now that pintails, 70% of the birds are drakes or something. Well, that's all we see well, is drakes. and the way that they migrate is what he said. Right. So mm-hmm. we're seeing all, all we see is pintail drakes. And like you said, you're one and done. And then we just we haven't seen the ducks. And I think the duck numbers are off somewhere. Now, what's concerning me now is North and South Dakota are bone dry, I'm hearing. Yes. I mean, I actually – Saw a couple pictures from our waterfowl biologist today of, you know, some sloughs this year versus last year. And, I mean, last year, awesome water. This year, absolutely bone dry. So, there's definitely going to be – I mean, they're having a lot of nesting success, but nesting success doesn't really mean a whole lot when those those little ones aren't growing up. Right. Uh, do you know how, how far into Canada that, uh, that drought extends into? Is it most of I Canada? Don't. It looks like it goes all to Quill Lake all the way. Oh, from wow. what I saw in the map, yeah, I, don't I mean, know that it's, for sure. That that drought map was fairly accurate. So, Jeff, whatever you saw is probably right about where it's at. Yeah, and that'll be all the way to Quill Lake almost. It's it's a horrible wow. deal, mm-hmm. and it's going to affect us. How do you feel like the Can- the Canada border being open or being closed affected the hunting? Do you think it made a big factor? Or it was just weather. I mean, when it's December and Montana's still wide open water, I don't really think it matters. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, there's going to be people bumping birds around, but when there's no people, I mean, hell, the the people in Canada, they don't waterfowl hunt too terribly much compared to us in in the states. So there just weren't a whole lot of people pushing them around. And if it's not going to freeze, they don't have to go anywhere, man. Now, you're a native to Oklahoma, correct? Mm -hmm. Grew up there and raised and hunted up there. Yes, sir. What do you think Oklahoma has been bombarded with outfitters? in the last 10 years yes it has is it is it making it harder and harder for the regular guy there i know it has to be but yeah i mean the the blue collar guy um is getting leased out from from underneath pretty pretty much on a regular basis now there's a couple uh you know large-scale outfitters that are in the central part of the state um that are you know have got some pretty deep pockets and They've leased up stuff that I've traditionally hunted, so I can only imagine what it's doing to some of those people that are a little more local. I had a guy hunt with us last year, and he was freaking pissed. And he was not happy about outfitters, but he come and hunted with us. I think, well, hell, we're an outfitter too. But he was pissed because Oklahoma are leasing up stuff. It's it's getting bad. I mean, it's getting it's getting to the point where I'm sure here in the next handful of years we'll probably see some hunter decline just because we're we're limiting, you know, access for people and there's only so much public ground people can hunt. So they're going to go to that first and when they realize it's a circus with people, they're just going to say that, you know, to hell with this. Outside of maybe Missouri, I would say Oklahoma has got as good a quality public hunting as anywhere in the country does. 
we've got a lot of opportunity here. I mean, the department manages, you know, over a million acres of, of public land with, uh, a lot of water. I mean, especially if you're, if you're up around the Tulsa area, you've got, you're, you're within an hour and a half of, you know, hundreds of thousands of acres of, of water to hunt. So I got the, I got the map here. I'm not gonna be able to pull it up, but, um, so yeah, basically all the way over to Winnipeg and it doesn't go very high. It probably goes up to Regina. Um, it's an extreme, yeah, right. It's an extreme drought, and then as you wake, make your way up to Saskatoon, it kind of moderate drought. So, yeah, that's a long way up there. Dry fucking weather. Dry Regina. Yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> that's bad news, bears, man. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. That is that is not a good situation. You're gonna get fucking road rash that way. <laughs> You know, we've got to really watch our language because there's a lot of ladies that listen to this because we're doing a photo deal with the women in the outdoors, and we've had a ton of women post pictures on the the podcast page for winning a Tumblr. Well, if you got a dry vagina, take care of it, ladies. (laughs) Sorry about you. It's not not appealing. And it needs to be a slick dry Regina. Okay, let's get off the Regina. So, anyways, yes, yeah, well, <laughs> we'll, we'll get off the Regina. Um, <laughs> anyways, you there's woolly, a lot. Of, you don't want a woolly dry Regina. <laughs> there's a there's a hundred thousand acres around Tulsa, the Grand Lake, and all them areas like that. Do those hold lots of ducks? Parts of them do. Um, you know, Grand Lake does not have a lot of what people would call waterfowl habitat. It's a lot of steep banked kind of rock ledged lake. But, uh, you know, where the Neosho River and the Spring River come in, um, there can be some pretty good waterfowling up that way. Uh, the farther you go south along that Arkansas and Grand River Valley, you'll start to see, uh, you know, quite a bit more what would be traditional waterfowl habitat available. Now, Call Lake, a lot of, a lot of waterfowl opportunities there. Yes, we were just there last week, actually, uh, doing some some habitat eval on the airboat. I posted a cool picture of that. Um, Call Lake traditionally was, you know, a, a powerhouse of a of a waterfowl factory there for us. Um, we used to be able to aerial seed millet on that whole uh, river channel and river mouth, and it was tremendous the number of birds you would see up there. But the Corps of Engineers. Um, kind of reset what they considered to be normal pool for that lake so we lost a lot of our of our mud flats that we would traditionally aerial seed millet onto so that's kind of a, a thing of the past obviously those are are still exposed mud flats so we've got you know natural forages available but with that we've got to have uh you know right water levels for for water to get on that food now y'all do the same thing at lake texoma don't you yeah, yeah. Whenever, uh, whenever we can, as far as as the water, um, obviously that's our our biggest hindering factor there. If we get a big big rain event before and it covers that mud up, we've got nowhere to put seed. And then you're also, I mean, it's a gamble regardless when it comes to those big river systems because we're, you know, flying that on, and then we got to pray it doesn't rain for two months. I mean, we did it last year, but all that all that millet ended up in in Louisiana. I'm afraid. You know what though? That's a hell of a deal that Oklahoma does because the first time I heard about that, I said, "You got to be shitting me." We can't get the state of Texas to do a damn thing, and the state of Oklahoma, home of the Tiger King, and they can by God go spray millet out of airplanes to build food plots for ducks. And that, yeah, if you haven't if you haven't gotten to, to to see that in action, I mean it it's a it's a badass deal. 
it's just a big giant it looks like a spray plane essentially if you've seen like an aerial sprayer plane but it's just got a giant feeder on the bottom of it, it looks like a big ass corn feeder and we'll fill up that plane with a couple thousand pounds of millet and he'll he'll go do his thing those pilots are crazy people and it has to be dry for two months it can't rain well i mean we, we can get some rain but it's as long as we, we don't get something where it brings water you know up and over those seedlings millet can stand some water once it gets to a certain height but until it gets to that height it can't be flooded out so, so you, what do you what do you do, do? Like july or july, august july 1st when's the best time to do millet yeah i mean that that kind of mid first couple weeks of july um you've got a 60 day 90 day maturation on that so whenever you throw it in july you're hoping it's up and ready by october or you could throw it mid-June and be ready for uh, till season. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess you could. Yeah, and how it's, many? It's however you however you want to line it up. You're just going to be fighting some weather. How many different places does the state of Oklahoma do that in? So now it's really just about Texoma. Um, it used to be Texoma and Call, but that that kind of got nipped in the bud by that that uh, the Coors deal, you know, resetting the the normal pool for that lake. So. Those, that's about the only place we were able to do it anymore. So when, <clears throat> whenever you see that the pintails are everywhere, do you like send your waterfowl biologist like an email, like, "Hey, maybe you should look at this." Respectfully. Say that one more time, Eddie. Do you, whenever you see how how much how many pintails that you've got in your area? Do you ever like send your waterfowl biologist an email, like who's in the next office over, and be like, "Hey, bud, <laughs> respectfully, you should look at this." I mean, I'm not the only one. Um, <laughs> there's there's a lot of people that you know that that's one of the things he he complains about is man, all these people keep crawling on my ass about pintails, and and you know he's not the only one. So it's definitely something that that Central Flyway Council uh, gets an earful about, and hopefully in the in the future we'll we'll get some things changed. I'm interested to see how uh, uh, Nebraska's little project goes with their uh, their kind of two-stage or two-phase licensing system. The three-splash? I think that's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I kind of got mixed emotions. Um, I think there should be a limit on how many years that you can opt into that, obviously. I think three years maximum i think is what i said two or three years i think you should be able to do it but i think after that you should start learning to identify ducks but you know i mean what if you're an old guy that just likes hunting that you know can make out the bird but you know like ron i don't know if ron could have identified birds on the wing like he could have 30 years ago but he can he could well he wasn't yeah, very I mean, good shot i see I both know. sides of it for sure i I think we need to do everything we can to get young hunters in the game. I don't know what it is, but we've got to figure out how to get little kids from six years up involved in hunting, interested in it. I don't, and I don't know what the answer is. For well, it. you also have a problem of getting people to remain. A I hunter. mean, I think it hunter retention should be a big deal too. In my mind, we have a lot of dead time here today. Dallas, can you hear us? Hello. Is he frozen? No, Bare, I can barely, see. guys. I don't um, know what's going on with our. So we've never had this system. We had a bad storm let, last night. Let me, let me see if it's on my end. Yeah, is that better? You look like a whole different person. You change <laughs> shirts and shit. 
We decided, I think it might be my internet. So I just hopped out here in the pickup. People, yeah, I mean, are, people on YouTube are going to be so fucking confused. <laughs> like, what the fuck is, what is he doing? Did we, have a, did we have a set change? Yeah. Did you change shirts or is that the same color shirt you had on a Mingo? Same one, my man. It looks completely that funnier fucking, than hell, though. It looks fucking different. I'm like, damn, he went and changed fucking clothes. You're like, Michelle, I can't take you anywhere without having to change fucking clothes. You got it. All right. So, Sorry so, about that. So no, it's not. It's probably our internet. I mean, we had this bad storm last night. There's no telling what's going on. Right so, now. your biologist is it just one guy that sets y'all y'all seasons, or do y'all have a committee? As far as waterfowl seasons go, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, the the Central Flyway Council kind of gives you parameters with which you can operate. Right. So, you can only, you know, you, you can run for, you know, 74 days. You can start here, you can end here, you can do whatever you want as far as splits and stuff go. So at our level, at a, a programs biologist level, we, you know, kind of push up the chain recommendations for season dates, all that stuff. And then it goes through a, a committee process and is, is finally approved by our commission. That's how a lot of states operate. Um. So back to the back to the three splash rule of Nebraska because that's mm -hmm. where we were at before we uh, had your wardrobe change. Um, <laughs> it, I think it's a good thing to to do everything that we can to get new hunters, but we also have to do something for hunter retention, and I don't know what that is. I don't know. Yeah, what, I, I mean, mean I don't even know where to start on trying to get more guys to stay in hunting longer. It's one of the biggest things we're facing as outdoorsmen right now. I mean, so there's a big movement called the R3 movement within the outdoor industry. So recruitment, reactivation, and retention. And, you know, you kind of hit it on the head there with how do we retain hunters? And I think that it's a question that we're fighting to answer pretty much on a daily basis. Um, we can get people in the door mm -hmm. uh, as best we can, uh, but how do we keep them in the door? It, it's something that that we're trying to figure out every single day. I think that that hunting is 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 like baseball, and to the fact that baseball, youth baseball, has become a rich kid sport. That's the kids that play youth baseball. Other than unless they live in a small town and they've got just little league right there, and but the the kids that are serious about baseball are on travel teams. That's an expensive hobby. Hunting is an expensive yeah. hobby. You can't just go down and buy a hunt license for two bucks like you used to, and they get you for a stamp for a dollar. Shit, a federal stamp's twenty set, almost thirty bucks. Time you get a license, it's going to cost you a hundred dollars just to go participate. Well, a hundred dollars yeah. to a wealthy guy like Andy's not a big deal, but a hundred dollars yeah, right. to someone making seven dollars an hour—that's fucking. You know, that's a lot of money. Yeah, and I mean, it's just—it's one of those deals where I don't think that social media helps us at all in this aspect um you know if you if you don't kill 80 birds on your hunt it's a complete waste of time or at least that's what you know the the social media folks are making it look out to be so you know somebody goes out for the first time with a couple buddies and they shoot two or three birds they look at it as a failure and they're saying Man, i don't want to do this anymore mm -hmm. so i mean i think it's something that we as a as a collaborate collaborative need to kind of think about the bigger picture when it comes to some of this stuff yeah and i don't know like getting a new hunter that makes a lot you know i can i can think of 10 different things to get somebody in the door the three splash rule like hey if you're worried about shooting the wrong duck opt for the the three splash rule done okay cool but getting somebody to buy a hunting license getting somebody to cross over from a casual hunter to a lifetime hunter i don't know what to do 
I mean, I really don't. It's 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 money. The finances is playing a big part in yeah, a lot of this. Yeah, but I mean, you can't give shit away. And, no, no, you can't. And another another aspect that's getting the problem is the availability of places to hunt. Right. You know, <clears throat> we live in a small Definitely. town, and the average guy who lives in my small town right here, if he wanted to go hunting to go shoot a deer. He's going to have to dig in his pocket and get a lease somewhere because everything's leased up just about. He's not going to be able to ask Joe Bob, the farmer down the road, hey, do you mind if I go out and let my boy shoot a buck? Man, I'm sorry. I've got my stuff leased already. So, Especially, I mean, especially in your guys' shoes in Texas where public land just isn't isn't a big thing down that way. So you're seeing that. You're seeing the repercussions of that in Oklahoma. Um, You know, the southern half of the state, what used to be hunted by – you know, Billy Joe lunch bucket from just down the roads getting leased up by somebody out of Dallas. Yeah, that I know a lot of guys from Texas that do go to Oklahoma now to lease stuff. And mm-hmm. now, and I mean, that, it's a cheap, it's a cheap non-resident license, and that DFW money goes a long way in rural Oklahoma. And, and now I've got guys in Wichita Falls that I'm friends with that have got leases in Eastern Oklahoma because they want to shoot a bear, and they've got them on their deer leases now. So that's mm-hmm. played a big part into it too. I mean, when you're paying 300 bucks to shoot a bear as a non-resident, people are going to jump on that. Yes, that's exactly right. What's is there? What's the limit on bear? Probably one a year, I guess. One? I think it's one. And oh. the pe- the people that I know that have leases there, they all kill a bear every year, or whoever gets tagged for it buys them. Yeah, I mean it's it's they're plentiful down that way. I mean, it, the honestly, the biggest limiting factor to killing one is is the clock. I mean, it's only a like 17 day season and it happens right when traditionally right when that acorn drop happens so all those donut barrels you've been filling up they kind of quit quit eating on those and they go straight to acorns so you're racing the clock to get one killed is uh, is the turkey numbers that dire in your neck of the in in southern oklahoma as what they're saying it is on facebook yes it is is it the eye worm no i don't think so um, I mean, the, does it play a, a factor in it? Yeah. Um, I think really, it, I mean, it's kind of a perfect storm, Jeff. Um, we've got, you know, really bad weather as far as, as hatching and nesting and poult rearing. Um, big hailstorms are hell on turkeys, and we've had a lot of them here over the last handful of years. Um, destruction of habitat or lack thereof is, is getting to be an issue. Um, where you know we've got non-existent landowners that cedars are swallowing up traditional turkey roosts we've got farmers that are planting from fence line to fence line um you know there's there's just a lot of stuff a lot of woody encroachment turkeys do not like to not be able to see so whenever you see a pasture that's getting choked out by you know things like sumac and and cedar trees they they just quit using it so it makes it for makes a really easy ambush spot for you know bobcat or coyote or whatever and i mean that's another factor going to be uh, nest predation and just overall turkey predation what about the wild hogs they're tough on them too they can as a nest predator yeah from what i understand and y'all's hog population is really growing in southwest oklahoma now there's one or two around yeah for damn sure so what are they what are they thinking about doing to uh kind of stop this tailspin that the turkeys are in one is it one bird or what are they going to do shorten the limit season well i mean so there's been proposed a lot of our folks that are oklahoma license holders i'm sure saw the uh, survey that was sent out 
from us, the, the wildlife department, kind of asking some questions about how they feel about it. And, uh, you know, there are some proposals that will be going up for this June commission meeting where we're considering going to a, a two-bat or a two-bird season bag limit and then moving the season back about two weeks so, or 10 days. So instead of going April 6th to May 6th, we'd be going April 16th to May 16th. What's the thinking there? Have more hens bred by the time you start hunting on the toms? Exactly. Right. And then, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see what the numbers would do going, because it, it's three up, is it three or four in Oklahoma? Three. It's three. See, it's four here. Three, but one per county. So you so you got to travel a little bit if you're going to shoot got, on three. So you can kill three birds as a total bag limit, but each county has a one bird bag limit. Hmm. That's an interesting way. So, but but the yeah. current proposal would be two. That it'd be interesting to see what the numbers would say. Like, okay, if we shoot two, this is when we can start seeing the upswing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it's it's an adaptive management approach. I mean, you're you're always having to, to tinker and uh, and kind of you know stay on your toes when it comes to, to wildlife management as a whole, not just not just turkeys, but um, you kind of make a change and, and see what the trend says and, and just go with that. So. We're keeping our fingers crossed. There's a lot of research fixing to get kicked off here on turkeys in the next couple of years. So hopefully we can get this thing figured out and get her turned around. I mean, we can't fight, we can't fight mother nature. Um, so, you know, that, that's one thing that's completely out of our control, but we'll see what happens. Well, I don't see near the turkeys boy five years ago where we hunt at in Oklahoma, I, you'd see mm-hmm. 70, 80 in a flock in the, you know, in the wintertime. And last year, I can't think of one time yeah. I seen more than four or five birds together. Yep, it's it's getting bad, man. That's for sure. So, what are some of the research things that they're thinking about doing? Can you tell us, or is it top secret? Well, I mean, I, I really don't know. They just kind of tell us. You know, there's been a uh, a new new head cheese up at Oklahoma State as far as in their wildlife research department, and we sent out a bunch of proposals to them or requests for proposals on on certain topics, and, and turkeys were one of them. So. Hopefully they'll pick up one of those and, and run with it. It is crazy, though, like how delicate everything is. Like when you look at from the duck numbers to the deer to fucking bear to turkeys, like if you get off kilter just a little bit one year and it goes on to two years, three years, like you're fucking, you started out here in the middle and then like by year three, you're all the way over to one end to the other. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's just crazy how one little factor can just totally wreck everything. Our turkey numbers are down in North Texas, too. Uh, not like they are up there, but there's, there, it's, it's definitely changed. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm sure. I'm sure it's down. Cause I mean, we've got close to the same weather as what Holbert does where we hunt at in Oklahoma, but I think we're a lot wetter right now than they are. How, how's your, yeah. how are your deer numbers looking for next year? Good. I mean, the deer herd is as, as good as it's ever been. You know, we're coming off of a record harvest year for us. Um, I mean, the, there's a deer behind just about every blade of grass, but not to the point where it's becoming a, an issue by any means, but it's a, it's a healthy deer herd, and our hunters are, are doing a good job at, at managing them. And that's another thing. Like, you want a bunch of deer running around, but if you get too many deer running around, then it puts a strain on the deer that you got, so it's just like it's a balance every single year. And then you... You got pissed off farmers that are getting their eat, you know, their wheat mowed down by deer. You're getting angry motorists that are hitting deer. I mean, so that yeah, it's a it's a yin and a yang, that's for sure. 
What's the biggest deer that got killed this year, do you know, in Oklahoma? Oh, gosh. There were multiple deer that were, you know, up around or over 200 inches. So. That's crazy. God almighty. It's a lot of bone, my man. That is Free a, range. That's a monster deer. Yep. Have you seen one in the wild over 200? One time. They stand out, don't and they? it wasn't in Oklahoma, either. Oh. I saw one in Texas over 200 oh, yeah. one time in the wild, and that's some bitch looked like a Hartford commercial. <laughs> yep, they kind of stick out like a oh. sore thumb whenever you get to see them. I saw one with a 150-inch deer, and I was like, damn, that's a, that's a shooter right there, the 150-inch deer. And then the fucking tree next to him moved its head around. I was like, wow. Just dwarfed yeah. him. Oh, yeah, it made that other one look like a runt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're killing some good deer. Um, you know, our, our hunters have really taken to heart kind of the – the letting young bucks grow and and shooting does instead of little bucks so things are things are looking looking bright and shiny in the deer world over here right now yeah that's what i never can because i'm and i'm not a big deer hunter but i mean if you've got a plot of land and you want to shoot a 170 and that's your ultimate goal with this plot of land why are you gonna shoot all the 150s you can't i mean why i mean shoot a shoot a doe instead you know if that's your goal i mean it it, but it also takes a lot of cojones to pass up a 150, man. I mean, a lot of people say, you know, he's standing in front of you. It's a tall task to go, mm, I don't know, maybe I'll wait. Yeah, one more year, he'll be really nice. But, I mean, if you got, yeah. I think you've got to figure out what your goal is as a landowner or as a, as a deer hunter. Like, if you want to shoot a 170, yeah. you better let that motherfucking 150 walk and pray to God your neighbor doesn't have a itchy trigger finger. Yeah, because that deer's not going to get passed. That's the, that's the hardest part in our state, um, you know, is small land holdings. Mm -hmm. You know, the average land holding in Oklahoma is like maybe 40 acres. So when people call me and they say, hey, I want to grow a big deer, I say, well, do your, do, do your neighbors want to grow a big deer? <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, you probably need to talk with them and get on the same page as them so everybody can hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Because if you got one guy that, that all he wants to do is put six deer in his freezer, it's going to be a tall task to try to shoot a big deer. <laughs> what What's the biggest ranch in Oklahoma? Do you know? Um, Are you talking contiguous or yes. just land ownership in general? No, contiguous. The the, the lady, Reed Drum and her husband, they own the most land in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. I'd say the biggest the biggest one I know of is probably 75 or 80,000. And that's a spread. I mean, that's a that's a lot of freaking ground. That is, that's a lot of land. Mm-hmm. Is that would be a north? That's a lot. Was that be in northern is Oklahoma? That was that is that northern Oklahoma where that's at? Northwest. Yeah. yeah. See, that's you, you. You said something a minute ago about the size of the ranches because in Texas, someone owns five ten thousand acres. That's not that uncommon down here. 15,000 mm -hmm. acres. That's just a drop in the bucket for people over there. But when you get in Oklahoma, I don't know of a lot of places that I've, – I've got some farming friends of mine that farm a lot of land, but they don't farm one place like I do down here. No. Half. It's, you know, a 160 here, a 340 here, you know, a, a full section over here, and then you drive down the highway for a little while, and we got this over here and that over there. It's not It's not all one big contiguous piece for the most part. And that's that does make it hard to grow big deer when you're not dealing with five, ten, fifteen thousand acre plots. Yeah, when you're not in full control, it sure makes it hard. I mean, uh, uh, the average deer's home range is going to be about a thousand acres. So, if you have anything under that, you need to talk to your neighbors. 
A thousand acres is what they'll go, huh? That's and you, on average. And and like where we are right here, if you've got ten thousand acres, you can usually shoot ten trophy deer a year. Now you mm-hmm. may not shoot ten hundred and fifty inch deer, but you can have ten shooters a year. If you take five, yeah. you probably can shoot some hundred and fifties in a couple of years. But that's what it's going to take exactly. to to grow a, a good herd of deer. Age, genetics, and nutrition—that's the the holy trinity. So, what do you do? So, say you're wanting to say, and before we let you go, so say you're wanting to grow this big deer, and you see a 150, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, let's let him walk, let him walk another yep. year. You got the acres, you know he's going to be fine. If you see him next year and he's not any bigger, like he's maxed out, you can shoot him then. There's a lot of factors that go into that, Andy. Um, I mean. <laughs> First, you've got to determine, is that a mature deer? Um, you know, bucks and deer in general will put all of their nutritional intake into skeletal development until they're three and a half. Mm-hmm. So after that, that's when they really start pumping up antler growth because they've got all those additional nutrients to go into developing antler instead of developing skeletal mass, right? So the first thing would be determine, is that a mature buck? The second thing you're going to need to do is is look at your at your farm and really kind of take a deep look into it as far as what kind of habitat am I providing? What kind of nutrients do I have available on my property? If it's good, I probably don't need to mess with it. And I'm not talking corn feeders; those don't do those don't do much for antler development in any way, shape, or form. You know, I'm talking natural forages that are available. Uh, you know, between February and September during that antler development period. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, um, you know, another thing that, that people can do is shoot a bunch of does. Um, it's rough on a buck when you're, when your buck's doe ratios are so screwed up that he's chasing tail for four months out of the year because there are so many does that are cycling in and out of estrus for so long. So it's kind of a, it's another one of those deals where it's just a revolving door that, you know, if you have too many does, He's going to rut really hard all the way through winter, and now he's trying to play catch-up in the spring to build all that body mass back up, and then he starts over again, and it's just you're constantly going going round and round, uh, you know, kind of a, an uphill battle. So that's the problem with does. Is it's not that they take away resources from the buck necessarily. They're not taking away food or protein that is, or that anything is true. That. It's the It's the rut that they're in for so long. Yeah, so both of those things are true, Andy. So not only are they one more mouth to feed, you know, they're they are eating available nutrition for, for those bucks to put into their antlers. But yeah, the 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 prolonged rut period is another one that that definitely has a hamper on on growing big deer. So what's a good doe to buck ratio if you've got a big ranch? You know, you read Field and Stream and you read Sportsman's Magazine, and they tell you one to one or two to one, and in a high fence situation, that's great, and that's obtainable um, because you're in full control of what's coming into the ecosystem. But, uh, you know, on a, on a free-range piece of property, if you can get into that 5-to-1, 4-to-1 ratio, you're, you're doing good things for yourself. There's just so much ingress and egress that happens in a natural setting without a high fence that there's no way you would have, you know, full control over that. Right. And see, a lot of problems is that you're you're at ten to twelve to one on some of the places that just it's just that, yep. that's the way it is. Right. And a lot of that, a lot of that are are old timers, man. Um, you know, back sixties, seventies, eighties. You don't you didn't shoot those. You don't do that. 
because you're at that you know during that time we're trying to grow our deer herd and it's a totally different management story at that point so all of those people that grew up with that are now landowners are now you know deep pocketed people that are leasing up land and they don't shoot any does they'll have twenty five thousand acres and they'll have 15 people on it and they'll shoot 30 bucks and then they go home yep right i know a lot of leases now and are a lot of leases are switching to making people shoot their bu- does before they'll let them shoot a buck now with with some new education yeah, they're mean, coming in you got to shoot four does before you can shoot a buck mm-hmm. yep so people will implement that's called an earn a buck system that's what it is well it, it, that's the way it goes yeah. Well, Dallas, I appreciate you being on here, man. You're a good sport. I, I enjoy talking to you. You've still shot yeah. a blonde mallard. I've never got to shoot one of them. I'm jealous of you for that. So I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Always fun talking to you. I wish you'd just invite me up. Let me hunt that secret blind with you that you got there. <laughs> it's at Fort Cobb, Jeff. Yeah. Fort Cobb. Come on, baby. <laughs> Short trip. We appreciate you, buddy. Take, take care of yourself right. up there, and uh, have a good summer, all right? Be good, guys. All all right, right, thank bye. you. Bye. Dallas Barber. The mayor of Fort Cobb. Mm-hmm. Greenhead capital of the world. Great guy. Great guy. I don't know what was going on with our audio this time. Weird deal. I'm telling you, you've had a shitty day, and it's kind of come on over to us. Just kind of bled over. Shitty day hasn't stopped either. Are you glad your kids are out of school now because it's summertime for y'all? It doesn't matter to me. My, my schedule doesn't change anything. You'll have more time with your boys. I don't know where. What you have a bunch more jobs lined up after this? I'm Jeff, I'm booked clear up to about 2024. Well, good. That's good. That's good news, Andy. That's a good thing to have. There's a lot of people without jobs out there. Mm-hmm. Are you looking to employ someone as an assistant? No. No? You'd rather do it solo? So when you have shitty days, you have it by yourself? I can just turn on the radio and... No, I'm not booked all the way up that way, but I am very, very... I'm, You're I'm, busy as you want to be. I'm busy to hunting season. That's good. All right, well... I appreciate everybody for listening. Um, if you go to our private page at the Big Honker Podcast private page, I guess what you call it on Facebook, we're having a giveaway again. Check us out. I'd like to thank Dallas Barber for being on here again with us today. Check out our sponsors. Uh, appreciate y'all. We'll be in St. Louis June 11th and 12th for the Dive Bomb Squad Fest. Come by in St. Louis and see us. God bless y'all, and have a great week. Check out all of our sponsors. Check out Stanford Hunting Outfit. Ooh. <laughs> Bangtail Whiskey, Goose Creek Retrievers, Gundog Outdoors, Pacific Calls, uh, Dive Bomb Industries, Boss Shot Shells, Dirty Duck Coffee, Lucky Duck, Looking Glass Duck Club, uh, Blind Grass, and our new one, Eyesight Drone Services. <laughs>